All right. How was your week? I flew a lot. I got like 25 hours. I flew a lot too. Yay. We love hours. High five. Boom. And it's almost Christmas. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. I'm excited for a break, but also you're really, really close to your hours. Yeah. How many do you have left? I have officially 50 hours to go to 1500, but wow. If the company takes me at 1475, which I'm praying to the good Lord above that he does, uh, then I have like what thirty hours left, maybe. Did did you um uh, email the company with fourteen sixty? Not yet. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not a fourteen sixty yet. Oh okay. I I'm not I'm not fourteen fifty on the dot. Oh okay. So, so you still have like ten. Yeah. Okay. And then you'll email them and get class date. Yeah. Yay! The other day I flew seven and a half hours, and I'm really proud of that because I don't. I'm not a, a lot. I'm not a seven and a half hour day a girl. No. Five. Five is like the perfect amount. Yes. You work just enough, not too hard, not too little. You get enough hours. You, you get, get enough good, pay. You get good sleep that night. I still get to like tired. go home and then do something I enjoy for more mm-hmm. than two seconds. A seven and a half hour day. That was I literally worked from. That was a twelve hour day for me. Yeah, that's miserable. It was rough. I'm going to. I think I'm about to schedule about eight hours of flight on Monday, maybe Tuesday as well. Good luck. Gotta do it. I Gotta get there. I applaud the people who can actually fly eight hours every day. Do you people out there, do you CFIs or whoever that got their ATP minimums, their hours in like a year and a half or less? Good for you. Good for you. But I don't know how you did it. I can't work that much. All right. I had a couple of friends who worked at our flight school and they got their, and they got a thousand hours in a year. And they, that's crazy. They were getting like six to eight hours every day. Seven days a week, they were grinding it out. But I, I, I just, I'm not built like that. No, I'll have a dog in me. I like to have fun yeah. every now and then. Yeah, I like to sleep. But yeah, I admire them for doing that. I really do. I do. It's just not for me, dog. No, it is not for me. But with the amount of hours I have left, that was a lot. That was a good chunk of time. So. Oh yeah, I'm that's like that. That like knocks off like a good almost ten percent of them. Yeah, that's pretty good. I am currently at. Let me check my Lily Four flight. Twelve sixty six. I'm under two fifty. There you go. I think I'm gonna make like a countdown board or something and every five hours like peel off something or like You should. Yeah. I kind of wish I had my old roommate, she had like a countdown on her mirror that she yeah. would like count down every day. Um and I really wish I'd I had done that because I would I'm gonna start one now. Fun. Yeah, I guess I could. Yeah. Fifty hours is a good mark. Yeah. Dude, I'm so excited. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be sad because I'm gonna really miss you, and I really wish we we're gonna be in training together. Hopefully, I'm only about two months behind you, though. That's true. So I shouldn't be super far behind you. With if I keep flying 25 hours a week, and I hope I do, I will not be far behind you. It'd be ideal for us to go to training together. That would be ideal. I would be love that. So fun. I would. That would be amazing. Right. We would. Oh gosh. We just like struggle together. Yeah. Be in pain for a little bit together. Okay. So, last week, we went over bad students, and we promised you guys we would do bad CFIs. You didn't know when you were going to get it. Maybe we didn't have a better plan for this week, but it's going to be this week. So, congratulations. This is an early Christmas present to all my friends out there that listen to us. So, we're going to be in the hot seat today. We're going to be in the hot seat. Well, I'm not a bad CFI, I'm not so. But we'll, I mean. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Sometimes, I'm not the best CFI. Especially right now. But there's a difference between, like, having an off day and not being the best CFI. That's true. And then sucking when you're 
like your entire CFI career. Yeah. It's a big difference. I feel like I've been, I feel like I've been, if I'll be honest with myself, I feel like I've been 80% good CFI, 20% kind of whatever CFI. Yeah. I mean, we all have our less than yeah great days. The last, in the last 100 hours, dude, the it's been declining. Like, I mean, I'm trying to stay focused. I'm trying to be present, but- I went to maintenance yesterday, and I was like, I will literally throw it back for some maintenance flights. I'll put it back. <laughs> yeah. I, oh. Yeah, I did a maintenance flight this week and got two hours off of that. So nice. Nice. it's, that's, you know, that's one tip for you guys, CFIs out there. If you want to grab some extra hours, see if your school ever has a maintenance flight to do. Yes. When I first started at the job that we're at, um, our, or actually I was working there for a little bit, but our boss was asking me to do some maintenance flights, and at the time i was like if i'm not gonna get paid for them i don't want to do them and it was oh <laughs> i was about to reach for you but i didn't want to punch you in the face I'm not gonna... <laughs> um but at the time i was just being sassy and i was like if i'm not gonna get paid for them then i don't want to do them and now i don't really care i do not give a rat's booty because i an hour is an hour at this point, and it's closer. an hour is an hour. And okay. if you take time to, you know, even if it's only a couple, like an hour, maybe two hours extra a week, that really does add up over time. Yeah. Because I like challenged myself back after, it was in July after I got married and the wedding was all done. So I was significantly less stressed. I really challenged myself to just, you know, work hard and if an opportunity came up to take extra hours i would take it and honestly my hours have been amazing the past well november kind of sucked but i've ranged from anywhere from about 70 to 100 hours a month for the past like six months you've been killing it yeah so just challenge yourself to do a little extra mm -hmm. you know still like have a good boundary where you can and have a day off yeah. but and if you don't have any students, like if your boss isn't giving you students, be a squeaky wheel and go get some students. This squeaky wheel gets the oil. Literally, like, go into their, their office every five minutes and say, hey, got students for me? Hey, got students yeah. for me? I know it sounds annoying. And I do apologize. If my boss is listening, I do apologize. I don't think I he does. That. I don't think he does. But it'd be funny does, if he did. Yeah. If he does... I'm not super sorry for that because then I got students <laughs> and I was like, now I'm actually vlogging again because last week was kind of rough. So yeah, exactly. And if you're more willing to do things like maintenance flights and you really take the extra time to put out a good product for your student, you know, good training for your student, bosses notice that. Mm -hmm. They notice that. So do your best, work hard, and you will probably get rewarded for it, hopefully, if you, if you have a good boss. There's some bad bosses out there, so I don't want to say for sure. But yeah, okay. So, we're talking about bad CFIs this week, so we're going to go through a few stories that we found about bad CFIs, the types of bad CFIs, which is going to be fun. It's going to be juicy. Yeah. And just kind of give you guys any, like, tips and tricks on what to look out for. Especially if you're starting flight training. And also how to be a good CFI if you're just starting. Yeah. Because there's a lot to learn. There is a there is a steep learning curve as a oh, CFI yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay, yeah. Spades. I'll let you out and chill. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that being said, I'm Ariel. And I'm Amanda. And this is Two Girls, One Plane. Let's get into it. Okay. 
tell me if this happens to you since i have these like headphones on it's natural for me to want to reach up and like move the mic out of the way before i take a sip (laughs) like i just i mean there's no mic on these (laughs) headphones obviously but do you understand i understand do you like get that okay yeah is this i mean i move like when i have snacks in the plane i'll have to move it up like (laughs) a drink in a plane move it up yesterday i was doing an ifr cross country with a student and i sat on that plane with a whole meal i saw that <laughs> my student was looking at me he's like all right all right <laughs> so he's he's pretty chill and he's a good student but and it was an ifr cross country so we're doing a lot and there's very little teaching you can do on that that we hadn't already done yeah so i was just, i was snacking i was hungry oh girl i'm not judging you i haven't had a full meal like that in the plane yet um but i well i've had sandwiches i've had cheese it's i will eat anything in the plane m&m peanut peanut m&ms it's very so when i was in college it's very like this like really just reflects my personality when i was in college there was this class that like prohibited food and i was in a sorority in college so we had a house and we had meals every day so i had like cooks Mm -hmm. so I'd always have one of my sorority sisters because we had the same class together. I'd always have her bring me food because it was like a Tuesday, Thursday when I had like four classes and I had no time to get food between classes. Yeah. So she would always bring me lunch from the house those days. I literally every single day I know the class prohibited food, but it was literally the only time I could eat between like 9 a.m. and like 4 p.m. Literally the only time. And I would just like sit there and eat my lunch and... The professor, like, he would always look at me and I'd be like, what's you going to do about it? I'm hungry. <laughs> like, you going to tell me I can't eat? He would look at me and after a while he started asking me what I had for lunch and I'd just start telling him. His mouth was watering too. Yeah, dude, that food was delicious. Just having chefs oh, at a sorority house? Oh my gosh, those ladies. I They they made cornbread that tasted like cake. Uh, cake. Uh, they're so good. Oh yeah, they're probably, they're probably like deep southern. Wow. Ladies. In Mississippi. Yeah, they were. Cook. They could cook. If oh, my I, gosh. If I was in that sorority, I would have gained, like, 50 pounds. 100%. The only reason I didn't gain a lot of weight in college is because I walked everywhere. Yeah. And never took the bus. There you go. So, okay. Anyway, sorry on that rant. Anyways, long story short, I eat food in random places all the time, even when I'm not supposed to be eating food. So, Thank nothing you. will stop me from eating. You shared, me, you shared with me one of your fries yesterday. Yeah, they're Those good. really good. Them. Yeah, they're good fries. Okay. So... We are going to kick it off with a story from Reddit, and it is from the r slash flying subreddit. This is an older story. It was posted four years ago, but I think it still holds true. And the title of it is, Types of Bad Instructors We Run Into. A previous post about CFI and his slash her way of teaching got me thinking. What are the most common types of instructors, good or bad, you run into? Here are some of mine. Number one, the mute. He slash she doesn't talk much. The feedback consists of, it was not so good, or it was okay. They usually stare blankly into the distance or seem extremely bored during flights. Attempts at conversation are very quickly shot down by one-word answers. They seem to be great at controlling the aircraft in just about every scenario. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know anyone like that <laughs> at all. I, I I read this and I was like, oh yeah, we're reading that on the pod. Oh. So an instructor we know, he's just a quiet guy, I would call him, unless he's around his friends. So he doesn't talk much in the plane, but he doesn't not teach. Yeah. 
So I think there's a difference between people being a little more quiet and not teaching. So also, he does like phenomenal grounds. Dude is wicked smart in IFR. Oh my gosh, he has a lot of knowledge. And um, I've seen him teach on the ground, which is he he does it really well. And he makes IFR make sense. Right. Yeah, he just doesn't small talk with you in the plane. No. He doesn't want to know about your life story. Also, another thing is, um, I think there's a, there's a, obviously, okay, yes, yeah, so you don't want someone who's completely mute, who doesn't say anything, right? But I would also argue that you don't want a super talkative instructor either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I've had, I mean, I personally, I haven't had this problem, but for my CFI, they were telling me that I needed to talk until the DP told me to shut up. Yes. And one of the DPs that. here likes to have the instructors talk the entire flight, you know, kind of. And his his argument is that this is a real world, you know, example of how you would teach. And I'm like, if you talk too much, not super, not super productive for the student because then they don't have a chance to soak in all the information and soak in their training. And it's gosh uh sorry um but you also don't want someone who doesn't give you any feedback on you know how you're how you're progressing through your training yeah so yeah this is definitely a two-sided coin you don't want somebody that doesn't talk and so i think this is more of like they don't give you good feedback yeah the whole it was not so good or it was okay an instructor needs to say, no, that wasn't to standards, and here is why. Yeah. Like, A, B, C, D. Here are the reasons, and here's how we fix those, right? But also, you don't want somebody that doesn't shut up. Yeah. Because that's just kind of annoying. I had one of my instructors. He he was a, he was a good instructor, don't get me wrong. It was for my instrument training. I really just needed the confidence of him not saying anything and me doing everything before my check ride. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at him before he went on, like, our last flight before my check ride. I said, hey, um, please don't talk. Please <laughs> do not talk to me. I need to do this all on my own, and I need the confidence to do it all on my own. So please just shut up. And he <laughs> did. And I had a phenomenal flight, and I absolutely crushed the flight portion. There you go. I did it for my instrument check ride. That's awesome. Yeah. So you can tell your instructor to stop talking, by the way. Yeah. Unless, I mean, to to an extent... You know, don't tell them to shut up. Just tell them to shut up. But if you're trying to concentrate, just say like, hey, would you mind holding that thought for a second? I'm trying to concentrate. And that's okay. Yeah. Because sometimes, like, for, personally for me, sometimes those moments of silence in the plane is where I can take everything in. And I can apply it and think through that, you know? Yeah. Um, Another thing is, so, again, like you said, I loved my, I had the same instructor through private and instrument. And he was awesome. But the only thing that I wish he had not, because every every other maneuver he would tell me like what you know, what if it was within standards, yada yada. The flight portion, great. It was the ground stuff. He would always t- uh, tell me where to go during taxi, and I think he was just doing it, just didn't even think about it. Yeah. But now I struggle with new taxi to like new taxi instructions <laughs> like at different airports yeah i struggle with that big time yeah and that's something i wish he wouldn't have talked so much on and let me kind of figure out um in the plane because now i, I have a really hard time like figuring out where i'm out on the ground yeah so. it's interesting that you say that because i will have and again i don't really teach a lot of private pilot anymore so this is not including private pilots and how i teach private pilots 
if students ask me a question that they should already know, I will refuse to answer it. Hmm. And it's and it's not because they genuinely want to know the answer. It's that they're looking for uh verification. Hmm. And they're looking for something to build their confidence. Yeah. And so I tell them, I'm not going to tell you. You need to build your confidence. You're working on your instrument rating. You're working on your commercial rating. One day you're going to be the person that somebody looks for looks to for verification okay so you have to be solid on your stuff one day you're not gonna have the safety net that is me you are gonna be the safety net and that's scary yeah so all right number two the hot shot the student can never be sure if the instructor is actually giving instruction or boasting about his previous achievements it's great that you can do 15 rolls in an edge 540 but i am having trouble staying on the center line right now (laughs) They can usually be spotted a mile away thanks to the clouds of smoke their Cuban cigars are producing. <laughs> they also have tens of thousands of hours and have soloed at the age of seven. <laughs> that one's kind of funny. Um, <clears throat> I too soloed at the age of seven. Have you met Have you met an instructor like that out of curiosity? Um, I was about to say I don't think I have. Really. I don't think I have either. Um, I mean, in the check rides, it's pretty much an open book check ride, and so. If they don't know how to look stuff up, right? You know. Yeah, we definitely need so. So I think it's not a... Actually, I feel like we have met some hotshot instructors. I I take it back. This is... I wouldn't call them hotshot instructors, but I would call them know-it-alls. Okay. If you're ever teaching at grounds and a CFI, another CFI, just butts in to your CFI's grounds... um, know-it-all instructor now it's different if a cfi says hey would you mind if i add something or the cfi like one time i said something because a cfi it was it was an acronym and he was like oh my gosh what does that stand for again and he was like thinking thinking and i finally just said and he's like that that's what it is thank you that's different but if they jump in and they're like just to add yeah yeah (laughs) i've had that I had that with a brand new instructor with one of my... I think it was a multi-ground. What kind of ground was I doing? I think it was commercial single. It was so. It was, it was I, something. It, was, it wasn't multi. I can tell you that. Because I, I, I would have shut that down. Yeah. With multi. But they did but jump I, in on a ground you were doing. And I was like, what the heck? I know. And he, this guy was brand new. Brand new. And he didn't even ask for my impression. Fresh, yeah. He, he Fresh, was shiny like, CFI. I just want to add that blah, 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 blah. I just want to add. Mind you, this instructor also had a freaking prop strike. Yeah, so don't butt in to another CFI's ground unless you expressly ask for permission. <laughs> Just say, hey, do you mind if I add something? Most CFI's will say yes. Yeah, most will. I don't, I don't mind having a little help, but just the unprompted. Yeah, because oftentimes... I'm teaching something a certain way for a specific reason. And if you just butt in and throw in some random knowledge, I'm not going to be super happy with you. And a lot of people who know me are know that I will absolutely smack you down in the middle of everybody. So true. Verbally. It's true. That is verbally. I'm slightly fearful of you. Yeah. Not, not of you. I'm not, I'm not personally scared of you. I'm scared for other people. Too. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Okay. Let's go into type number three. Number three. The statistical anomaly. You only fly with these once. Pre-flight consists of a hearty kick in the tire and loudly proclaiming, She's a fit girl, don't worry. Most of instruction consists of meaningless chit-chat. 
They are usually found arguing with ATC about their alleged mistakes in quotes. <laughs> what? I don't know. I've never heard of this one, but this one's just funny. I mean, okay. The, the statistical... The, oh, I get it. They're wondering how they're alive. The statistical anomaly. Oh, that makes sense. See, statistical anomaly... Okay, so... They don't know how they're alive, literally. You probably only fly with them one time, though. Yeah. According to this post. Why would you only fly with them one time? Maybe your instructor's sick. Mm. Um, or maybe you don't want to fly with them again. <laughs> True. They're... Okay, well... I don't... I don't know if I've met one of these. It makes sense. Because another thing is, like, our planes are good. Like, oh, yeah. we, we have really good planes. I mean, yes, they're old, but our maintenance team is excellent. Yeah. And we're not just flying in literal ship boxes. Yeah. No, we do have a good maintenance team. I think there is something to be said about a CFI that says, eh, whatever, it's fine to something that genuinely seems like a problem. Yeah. Like, I, I will have students say, like, oh, I think this is a problem. And I'll say, no, it's fine. But trust me, it's fine because I also want to land on the ground again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. You don't have a death wish. I do not have a death wish. I, I kind of enjoy my life and I would like to keep living it for another like 60 to 80 years. That's a that'd be really old. That's a good goal. Yeah. You'd be like 90. Yeah. 80 years. Still flying to play. <laughs> True. I'll be doing aerobatics when I'm 90. Yeah. I'm retired. So I don't know if I've really met any of these because I think most of these kind of get filtered out yeah, from the flight school at some point in time. Yeah. Oh, I have a good story about this, actually. Go for it. So our boss told us this. They did a, He did a an interview one time with a guy who wanted to be a CFI at our school. And the guy literally said, oh, yeah, I took off in... 300 foot ceilings at night with a plane that had just come out of an annual or something that had been known to have engine problems Mm. and the engine failed on takeoff and he said don't worry i turned the plane back around and landed it see i think i think the plane wasn't like ifr capable too it was something it was something along the lines of it was a no-brainer like do not fly yeah do not fly like between it being night and the ceilings being really low and the plane, like, consistently having engine failures. Maybe don't do that. And he was so proud that he landed it. That is the statistical anomaly. That is that guy. So stupid. Yeah. Number one, even a good student. student too. He was a student. Uh huh. Yeah. And number one, and our and our airplanes, right? I don't care that like we have a really good maintenance team and they're good airplanes, they're trusty airplanes. But I do not take off with 400, 300 foot ceilings. Um, no, especially at night. No, that's, that's crazy. Wild. That's insane. That is that is crazy. Maybe in a small plane like that. Maybe in a Seminole. <clears throat> maybe, but even at night. I don't know. See, that's uh, low. That's low. That makes so me uncomfortable. Actually, same. The three hundred is definitely under some of our yeah approach minimums. And the um, I think the lowest is like three twenty one. Yeah, like that's crazy. The lowest I'm taking yeah. off in is six hundred foot ceilings. Yeah, which like was it bad? Um, cause we got on top, but yeah. I, 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 no, couldn't do it. Yeah. That's so, probably, st- that's so stupid. Anyways, the guy was saying it to our boss, like it was an achievement. Oh, yikes. Did he hire? He 
did not get hired. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> so don't do that. If you do something purposefully dangerous and something happens and it works out in your favor, maybe don't tell employers that. No. So. That doesn't show very good uh, decision making skills. No, it does not. Just because you landed the airplane like doesn't mean it can't happen again. And, you know. True. Yeah, all right. I might not be as good next time. Very, very true. All right. Number four. The multitasker. Instructing in an airplane is a great opportunity to catch up on your appointments, taxes, and sometimes even old friends you didn't hear from in the years. <laughs> the flight gear consists of various tablets, smartphones, and of course, Bose A20. For best quality phone calls, students are usually unsure if they have total or zero control of, a, of the aircraft at any given time. Huh. That's kind of funny. That, that is kind of funny. Did our, did our bosses write that? Maybe. 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 Yeah, so I'm a little guilty of it. Not not okay, I don't I don't call. I've only answered Dude. one I think I've only answered two phone calls in the plane. I've answered a phone call before just purely based on to see how it would work. Yeah, it doesn't work. And I, no, it doesn't. And I don't know what I was doing with my student, but it wasn't something it might have been like a cross country or something, and we were literally just cruising. So it wasn't like we were in the middle of steep turns and we were like Oh my yeah, god, hey babe, me. what's up? Yeah. So but you do need a lookout for, I would say, CFIs that are not paying attention on, like, yeah. things, especially, like, maneuver flights and critical phases of flight, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would look out for CFIs. Mm-hmm. You want your CFI to be paying attention to you so they can point out what you're doing wrong. It's true. To a certain degree. Okay. Sure. Does your CFI also do that for seven hours a day? And do you probably need to give them a little break? Maybe. Yeah. They might not have their 100% focus on you 100% time. of the time. Yeah. But they do need to be looking out in general for what you're doing and have situational awareness at all times. I will say on this, if you're, if you're an instructor, if you guys are in cruise flight and you're just hanging out and your instructor takes a Snapchat... Or takes a photo, right? Instead of going directly to the boss of that school, of that side flight school, go to your instructor. If you really have that, if you really, okay, boomer, if you are really having a problem with that, um, go to the instructor before you go to the boss. I think this needs to be said in general. If you have a problem with what your instructor is doing, talk to your instructor first. And if it doesn't get fixed, then go to the boss. Yes. Because... Sometimes we don't know if something bothers you if you don't tell us. Yes. It's the same thing. Trust me. You guys do something that bothers us all the time. Are we going to tell you or are we just going to let it simmer? You know? Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense just to skip straight to the boss. I had a student who did that. Oh, I know. I I took a Snapchat um, while he was in cruise flight and we were just, I think we were going out to the practice area. We weren't completely there yet. So I just, you know, took a quick Snapchat and then... The next day, um, <laughs> I called into the office and um, my boss was like, hey, why did this student of yours email me that you were on your phone? Blah, 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 blah. And like, respectfully, like I didn't I didn't have a lot of time to be on my phone with the student because he wasn't particularly that great at flying the airplane. So it was just like that one instance with the, during the cruise where he was chilling. Yeah. Right. Anyway. I would have appreciated it much more. I think the funniest instance that I've seen recently is one of the oh, a student sent an email again to straight to our boss 
about an instructor <laughs> who is same instructor, just not chatty. He just doesn't want to know about your life story, and that's okay. No one's entitled to hearing about your life story. No. Period. Period. Dot. So he wasn't chatty in the claim. He was just chilling. Mind you, they were also time building. So it was generally nothing to learn. He was just time building the plane. Sent an email to the boss saying how ridiculous it was and how little he taught and how honestly he should have been paid for that time building because of how little the instructor did. So stupid. That was rude. Because that was that was my student. And they flew with another instructor because I wasn't available at the time. And I was like, dude, you're you're good at flying the the plane. Yeah. You're fine. You're just doing cross countries. Yeah. If you're time building, I'm sorry, if you're time building and there's nothing left to teach and your instructor just wants to sit in silence, it's probably because we talk all day and just, you know, or maybe enjoying the break. Don't want to chat. Yeah. Respectfully. Respectfully. Also, maybe your life's boring and I don't want to hear about it. No. Period. Yeah. Don't want to hear about it. Sometimes I don't. That's a lot of information. That's just a lot of information. Yeah. Around in the information brain. Yeah. And I'll be chatty with students sometimes. But sometimes they're just like sitting there and kind of just cruising. Yeah, same. It's nice. Listen to my music. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're CFI needs to be teaching at certain points, then they need to be teaching. Totally valid. But yeah. if they just don't want to talk to you and have a conversation with you, that's really not awesome a bad them. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. And maybe get comfortable with silence. Yeah. That might go a lot of way. Not everybody yeah. likes to chat. And that's just not on the airplane. That's just in life in general. True. Just maybe shut up. Cool. Maybe you're not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really mean. Okay. Number five. The drill sergeant. It's common knowledge that yelling makes students retain knowledge better. The routine starts even before the pre-flight checks during the initial phone call. Slapping the student with the book on pre-flights is their morning exercise. Mm -hmm. Missed a turn? About two more two minutes of constant yelling will make the student never miss it again. They're usually found chasing after students to yell at some more sense into them. Huh. I don't think I've... Okay, I don't think I've met a CFI like this. I haven't had a yeller. Not as a CFI. No. Um... I mean, granted... We've said this before on the podcast. Nobody needs to be yelling in the plane. No. Period. It's not necessary. And also yeah. yelling is not going to help anyone learn at all. Yeah, that's going to make you not want to learn. So if your CFI is yelling at you for literally no reason, because I, I will say stuff to my student. If it's a problem, I'll have a talk with them and say, hey, like, we, this is unsafe. We need to fix this, right? I'm not going to scream that at them. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, you almost killed us. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, how does that help you learn? It doesn't. No, it does fix the problem. So I will say, hey, <laughs> I mean, my famous line is, this is not yelling. Do you want to die? Because this is how we die. I will say that, but that is, in some, that is in like some very severe situations. So never, never will I yell at you, though. Yeah. And very rarely do you get that line. You have to almost kill us to get that line. Yeah. From me. But I will say, hey, that was kind of unsafe. This is what we do to correct that. Yeah. Easy. I agree. I'm trying to think of any, if I've met any yellers before. I, you know, just thinking about it, I do, we, <laughs> I do know a hotshot instructor who, it's a person who, granted, has some, has more experience in life than a lot of us, 
but is also an ATC controller, was an ATC controller in the military. And he really likes to pick fights in their group me about stupid oh. stuff. And he always thinks he's right. He totally is a hotshot. No one likes him. No. No flash. He, okay, so he came in one day. I was I was sitting behind dispatch. I was just kind of hanging out. And he came in one day and started, did I tell you about this? I don't know. So he came in from a flight and he was like, he was like, oh, why is the pattern so busy? He said, oh, well, that's not an excuse. Cat plane shouldn't be allowed in the pattern. Blah, 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 blah. We shouldn't be, had to. We shouldn't be given 360s in the Air Force that we fly at its pattern because blah, blah, blah. I should get first priority, blah, blah, blah. If I'm what? Like, yeah. He was literally saying that he should get first priority because he was, because he may or may not have been training military pilots. Because he, yeah, okay. So he was basically, yeah. <laughs> he thought that he should have first priority because he may or may not have been training military pilots in our Cessnas. And I was just sitting there, kind of blank stare, and he was like, yeah, I should be given first. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Go to an outlying field. And he's like, well, I shouldn't have to do that. Blah, 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 blah. And it was just so weird. <laughs> it was a really weird I situation. That. I know. That's happened several times, though. Yeah. And, like, and our group me is more for, like, hey, can somebody take this student or just random memes or doing random stuff. That's what our group me is for. And bro will, bro will go on. Somebody, somebody will say something about like a reg or something, and then he'll be like, "Well, I was an ATC controller and blah 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 blah." And so everyone's just like, "Big thumbs up to you, Chloe." So, and we probably, you know, he probably does have a lot of good knowledge. It's just the way he presents himself makes him so unlikable that nobody wants to talk to him. No, he's also the same guy at like staff meetings that every everybody knows this guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. At staff meetings, and they're like, oh, well, I think blah, 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 blah. And they continue to talk for 20 minutes just because they want to talk. They want to hear themselves talk. Yeah. That's what he is at our meetings. I think our last meeting went half an hour longer because he just literally wouldn't shut up. Man, he's like talked for an extra 30 minutes. He and he's the boss man, legitimately. I don't get it. Why does it? I don't understand. Hot shot. That who just likes to hear themselves talk. I mean, I guess we're, we're recording a podcast, but. I don't like to hear myself talk, though. I can tell you that. Trust me, when I edit, I'm like... Especially not a staff meeting. I don't want to be there longer than I have to be. Nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to be there. It probably could have been an email. Come on. Yeah. Like, we definitely don't want to listen to you. So, yeah, I don't... Obviously, you need your CFI to be there, too. Especially for solo sign-offs, you need a CFI there. Yeah. You need to talk to somebody before you go solo, for sure. Also, personally, when I had when I had solos, I would usually show up to the school when my student was soloing, unless I, like, could not be there for some other reason. Um, yeah. Like, because I, I had a student who... I I was there for his in, first two initial solos, and then the, the rest of this time in the local area, uh, he had to... I just had to let him go by himself. And I, met, I gave him the sign-offs and everything, but... I was I was flying at the time and I I didn't want to drop my whole day because to wait on him. Yeah. So there's that. That's kind of funny though. Just just ended up in his flight. Yeah, that is kind of funny. Whoever wrote this is very good at writing. So, um, some of the comments say I recall really hating the yoke grabbers. You never oh. know who's actually flying. Worse is the pedal pushers. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little guilty of this sometimes with 
with new or unexperienced pilots because sometimes I'll do it in the just the means of safety. Yeah. Because, like, sometimes um, shadowing the controls, like, so having the student fly, but you shadowing the controls kind of can kind of help the student learn because then they can get it, you know, when, when I was doing my landings, when I was when I was learning landings at the time, my instructor shadowed me on a lot of landings because I couldn't really get a good sight picture for it. And so he would shadow me while I was also flying. Yeah. So there's that. But yeah, I always have my hands open and my feet on the rudders when we land just so I can grab something if I need to in the sake of safety. Yeah. Oftentimes, if I do that, though, it's just an input that's not enough to make you release controls. Yeah. It's just maybe needed some more right rudder and landing because we we're landing crooked, whatever. But a lot of times I don't have to tell you, I don't have time to tell you my controls if we're in ground effect about to touch down and you're yeah. like 45 degrees angled to the runway and we're about to sideload the crap out of the plane. I don't have time for that. I just gotta shove some rudder in. Yeah. You know? So I kind of agree with that. But this other instructor commented on that comment. He said, I'm the instructor, I'm that instructor during the few, first few landing sessions, mainly because students usually suck at landings for a while and I don't want to break the plane. There are times to let rough landings happen because of law of intensity, so you know how their mistakes turn into a bad landing. And there are times to grab the yoke and push pedals because it's a factor of safety, which is very true. So don't be offended if your instructor, especially on landing, I will say this is mostly for landing. Anything else is, eh, you probably have time to say my controls. The only time, and this is kind of my fault, I have grabbed controls before and immediately had to eat a plane for traffic. Mm. And I should have said my controls, but that was not where my brain was at in the moment. It was get away from this traffic. And also a lot of the times that I feel like we have to actually grab the controls from the student. It's it's a, it's a time where you don't have, like, like you said, there's not a lot of time to react or like verbalize and then grab the plane. Yeah. Um, because that whole three-way positive positive exchange of controls sometimes takes a second so sometimes you don't have longer than five seconds yeah so that's primarily why we'll grab the controls Uh, a lot of instructors that i do know though it's like students need time on the stick or on the yoke whatever yeah right and we know that and so we try to give you guys most of like the controls most of the flight but sometimes there are those moments where you're like, okay, we might stall here if we don't, you know, push this down or, push down, yeah. you know, let's utilize that rudder. Yeah. Let's turn for traffic, that kind of thing. Your, your instructor shouldn't grab the controls if your steep turn just kind of sucks. Yeah. You know? I agree. Or if, you know, your slow flight is, like, not that great. They shouldn't just grab controls and help no. you out. That's That's an issue. But if they're helping you on landing or for a safety issue, that's something else. Agreed. Okay. All right. Want to move on to the next one? Yeah. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Another thing I really want to touch on is record chasing CFIs. So if your CFI has a goal to get his gold seal, which is a higher than 80% pass record with at least 10 check rides, that's not a bad goal, but they don't need to be afraid to sign you off. Because of that goal. True. So, we have another story that we found that it it's fresh. It's, like, hot off the press. It's about three, four hours old now. Three hours. So, we're going to go through that, and we're going to kind of point out what's wrong with this picture here. Okay. So, okay. so the user is Dysfunctional Zoo. 
All right, so the title is, What would you think if your CFI refused to fly with you again until you fly the entire PPL checkride alone perfectly? Story goes, My CFI told me this a few months ago, and since and since I've quit flying with him. This happened after he had another student fail the checkride for three different tasks, and I had to cancel the checkride three times before that. DPE was stuck in Europe, high winds, and smoke from wildfires. Edit. He used he refused to let me reschedule the checkride again after the other student failed on the condition that I fly it perfectly solo and then perfectly with him. Any mistakes I presumably I presumably would have to pre- any mistakes and I would presumably have to practice solo again until I nail it. This is uh this is not fair. No to the student. <laughs> no. What kind of logic is going into this? CFI? His other student failed, and you, the guy, didn't sign off him. Okay, so after they're, that, they're two different people. So Holmby's either scared of his past, right, mm-hmm. or he's a trash CFI and really needs to do some reflecting. I think, I think it's both, but I think it's mostly he's just scared about his past, right? I agree. So, can you read that first comment? And I kind of want to touch on that. Yeah. The first comment says, this reminds me of that saying, if everyone around you is the asshole, you're the asshole. If many of the students are failing the checkride, then he's not a good CFI. Recently, I have had a student, I had a student fail an instrument checkride. I did some serious self-evaluation and my teaching method, my, of my teaching methods as a result. So, this is one of my favorite sayings. If you meet one asshole, they're the asshole. But if everyone around you is an asshole, you're, you're the asshole. asshole. That is one of my favorite sayings, and I say it all the time. Yeah. So, me personally, if I have had a student fail a checkout, and I have, I have had them fail, I look back and think to myself, what could I have done differently to change that outcome? Yeah. And I kind of look back on everything I taught, and sometimes, mm, I'm not going to say, I don't think I've ever not prepared a student enough to pass a checkride, but I definitely could have done some things probably better mm. i would say so it it yeah it's serious self-reflection never i'm like oh my gosh one of my students failed like i'm not gonna sign anybody off again now yeah. what the hell kind of reminds me of back to the asshole quote or kind of reminds me of that idea that if a guy says that all of his exes are crazy guess what <laughs> then he's also crazy <laughs> yeah honestly yeah that's the same same thing same yeah. thing um, for sure that and he wants you to practice solo. Also, how how would he know if you did the flight perfectly under solo conditions? If yeah. you're not in the plane, that's that is so true. Actually, now that I think of that, also you could have just done a flight in line and be like, "Yeah, it was perfect. It was <laughs> perfect. You should sign me off now." Another thing is like this is not good for the student's confidence too, because when like let's say you're in checkride prep, um, and you're having a student go through checkride prep. If you know, you'll know when they're ready for the check ride. And guess what? Private pilots, they're not going to fly perfectly. All right? That's why the ACS standards are a little bit, you know, they have a little bit more leniency than the commercial standards. And yeah. I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty, per, pretty positive that I didn't do everything perfectly on my private pilot check ride. As I don't long, think anybody does everything perfectly on any check ride. No. As long as you know how to... And I'll tell my students this all the time. So let's say there's a maneuver that they consistently have issues with. Like, let's say it's steep turns or whatever, right? As long as you 
the student know how to correct for that issue and you're actively making ways to correct it and you're flying in a safe, controlled manner, I think you're good to go. Um, because obviously, like, if you're, you know, let's say you're, you're, let's say you're struggling with steep turns and you're busting the altitude two to 300 feet every single time, maybe don't go for the check ride just yet because you want to perfect those. Yeah. Right? Or fly with a different instructor and they might have a different, you know, tip or trick that might help you get to that get to that goal because a lot of times if you're flying with the same instructor over and over again they're going to have the exact same teaching method and if that teaching method doesn't work for you get a new instructor or at least fly with a different instructor and they might have they might be able to help you in that i mean that's what i did with my my landings i had my same instructor from private their instrument but with him i just couldn't get my landings down i flew with another gal and she was she kind of gave me a little bit of a different insight on what I was doing with my landings and she actually that my first landing that I ever did on a system was with a different instructor than my than my main one you know so number one kind of going back to this the situation this is not good for his you know his confidence and also this is kind of a ridiculous it's so ridiculous so because because they're two different students also I don't recommend to my students practicing maneuvers alone until you're in your commercial phase. I agree. Because as a private pilot or a private student, you don't know enough to critique yourself. I'm sorry. You just don't. No. And that's okay. Everyone starts out there. So I really only let commercial. As they say, like, hey, I would like to go work in my commercial maneuvers alone. Okay, cool. Go for it. Private pilots, I tell them, no, you need to do another cross country because that's going to be useful for you. And I don't want you to create a bad habit that you don't even know about doing maneuvers on your own. Agreed. I don't. So I was actually looking through some of these comments. And somebody said he wanted you to do it perfectly because if he has three failures in a row, he gets a 709. I don't know what a 709 is, but so there, there is a thing for instructors. If you have a student fail one check ride, like say their instrument check ride three times in a row, then the FA does come look at your CFI cert. Yeah. That's why CFIs out there, if you have a student fail the same check ride twice, do not sign them off a third time. Mm-hmm. Do not. That's pass off to a new no. instructor. To a new instructor. And that's probably gonna be more helpful for your student anyways. So that guy was partially right, but no, it's not like you had one failure. Oh, yeah. I bet, I bet, I want to say it was this guy's first student. He signed off and he mm-hmm. failed and he's terrified now, which it's okay to have a little bit of the fear of God in you, but not to the point where you're holding back your other students. That's not cool at all. One of the comments, it says, <clears throat> he sounds dumb because number one, wait times are long. You ideally want, you you want to ideally time it so you're ready and then immediately take the check. And number two, the ACS says consistently deviate from the standards. You don't have to be perfect. My DPE constantly told me, because I did five check rides with her, she said, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking at the standards. Yeah. And that's awesome. I actually just had a conversation with my student the other day, because we were going on an IFR cross country. And we were talking, and he he was saying to me, yeah, I'm just so much of a perfectionist. And I said... Well, that's great, but I'm going to be honest with you because this is how I am too. I'm a very, I like to make things great 100%. As a pilot, you are not going to be perfect. 
and that is okay. You want to strive for your best, but you will not have perfection. That's just impossible to achieve. You might have a perfect flight every now and then. Yeah. That's going to be about it. You will not be perfect as a pilot. As long as you're safe, as long as you do things to standards, that's where we're remaining. These standards, not perfection. There's two very different things there. Yeah. And also that another thing I look for, especially in private pilot, is how is their situational awareness? You know, if they're doing a maneuver, if they're making, you know, when they're making decisions in the plane, can they make good, safe, smart decisions? If they can't, then I might not sign them off because I wouldn't trust them in a plane by themselves. But at that point, it's like you wouldn't even want to sign them off for solo. You know? Yeah, exactly. Here, read this comment for me. Got a big one from OP. Okay. Uh, so, there's another comment. It's by the original guy. It's functional too. Uh, it says, he's not always consistent. He would change his mind about how he wanted me to do specific things. For example, he wanted to, me to maintain 50 feet above the ground for short field landings. And then he changed his mind about it much later into training. Often... He changed his mind about what airspeed he wanted me to maintain during pattern practice. Practically, practically, this means I had to rememorize something. Additionally, when I would ask to do a specific maneuver, forward forward slips and emergency descents because we didn't because we hadn't done them uh, in months and needed and I needed a visual in my head. Well, we didn't do them. I am aware. I am aware the ACS has descriptions descriptions for these things but his teaching style doesn't actually encourage confidence. Neither of his safety, neither do his safety standards. This summer, I discovered the fuel vent leaking. Turns out the check valve needs to be replaced. He told me to go fly the plane solo and see how much fuel we were using per hour. I was too far into the situation, sorry, I was too far into all this before I realized learning from him wouldn't be easy, but it was also a financially great situation. I've had a lot of help from other pilots, awesome people, many hats off to them for giving me a hand. Uh, but it got worse as time went on. He was fine from the be- he was fine in the beginning. You know what this sounds like to me? Hmm. The CFI is brand new and doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. And I just said this earlier on this episode. Your CFI is probably going to get something wrong, but coming back and saying, hey, I was wrong about this. Let's actually do it like this. We'll go along with your students. And this is a perfect example of that. He's the student sitting here saying, well, he keeps changing this stuff. He keeps changing it. Like he told me this for half the training. He told me this for the other part of the training. If the CFI had just said, hey, actually, I was wrong. We need to do it like this. The student would have been like, oh, okay, I understand. That's a little annoying. I have to redo it, but whatever. Yeah. You know? So, CFIs that can't admit their mistakes, and we make a lot, and you'd be surprised. Yeah. Trash. But as long as you can own up to that, yeah, you're going to have a lot more respect from your students. Exactly. Because I'm not always right. Yeah. Don't tell my husband that, but I'm not always right. (laughs) But you're always right here. Yeah. At home, you're always right. With my husband, I'm always right. Yeah. 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 In the plane, I'm right 98% (laughs) of the time. (laughs) 60% of the time, it works every time. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, record-chasing CFIs that are scared about fails on their record. One thing I would say to this is, my my students always say this to me, and granted, I do strive to have my students pass the first time. I don't want to see a student fail, but I, I, I feel bad sometimes because students will always come to me if they fail, and they'll say, Ariel, I'm so sorry, like, I failed this, and I'll look at them and say, 
I don't care. I don't care about my pass rate, that is. I, I care that you failed and you're upset, but hey, let's come back. We'll retain. We'll fix it. It'll be okay. You're going to get your rating. Yeah. But oftentimes they come to me and they're upset because they think they're messing up my pass record or pass rate, which, I mean, granted, again, I want people to pass on the first time, but I don't care about. I, I don't care about it at all. And I just remember being a student and I failed my instrument check right and I was so mortified to tell my CFI and he looked at me and he said it's okay and he could tell I was about, I was like on the verge of tears and he he really handled it so well and he looked at me and he said it's okay like it's it's whatever like we'll get it done and the way he reacted to me in that situation just really left an impression on me because he could have yelled he could have yelled because before before this he had he had me and another IFR student that IFR student failed first, and then I failed right after that. And he had had a 17 straight pass record before that. So that's painful. Yeah, it 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 definitely like stung a little bit that he had a failure. So, and I I thought he was gonna be really angry with me, and I thought like I was like, oh my gosh, this man's gonna yell at me and gonna <laughs> cry, and I'm already crying. And he just and you know he might have been annoyed about it later, and that's okay, but. The way he talked to me and he just told me, like, it's okay, it happens, just really, really made me appreciative of how he responded to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Also that, your CFI should not be yelling at you if you fail. Because trust me, most most people have failed a check ride and it is not a great feeling Mm -hmm. at all. So. And the last thing you need at that that moment is someone yelling at you. Exactly. When I busted my um, CFII ride... That was kind of the same thing. She had a lot of, she had a huge pass rate and I felt so bad that I busted on that check because it was like for a stupid reason. I just busted through my heading. Yeah. Like 30 degrees and everything else was great. And she was so understanding and relaxed about it. And she was like, it's okay. We're going to go up right now. We're going to retrain. You're going to retake it today. I was like, okay. And so that's what we did. I think we had to retake, I think I had to retake the next day, but she was, she was so understanding about it and it, and it helped me go into the next like the recheck for more with more confidence yeah because she you know she believed in me as a student and she was like things happen mistakes happen but you're not a bad pilot yeah honestly if your cfi chose to sign you off your cfi did that for a reason probably so we all make mistakes you get the check ride nerves it happens so don't let cfis not sign you off if you know, you're doing everything they're saying. And this is what I really, really want to touch on. So there's a difference between a CFI not signing you off because they don't think you're ready. There's a difference between a CFI not signing you off because they're chasing hours. And this is what I always say to my students. I tell them, this is where you're at in training. This is what I want to see to do XYZ, to sign you off for a check ride, to move on to the next stage in training. I tell them, this is not two standards. We need to fix this. And this is how we fix this. If your CFI is not laying out a clear plan of how to fix something to get to your goal, you need to talk to your CFI. Because if your CFI is just saying, I'm not signing off for your check ride because you're not ready. And that's it. Well, what are you not ready on? You know? Yeah. So definitely sit down and have that conversation with your CFI. Because there are a lot of hour chasers out here that have a bad attitude about like, oh, I gotta be a CFI, and just have a negative attitude about being a CFI, and those people shouldn't be CFIs, 
and are just looking for hours and will waste your time and money. Look out for those and you will know. You will know if they're doing that. I uh, kind of, this idea of not not signing someone off, I actually had experience with this with the first time I was trying to get my double I. Um, it was at the previous flight school I flew at and I just finished my CFI. I was... I hadn't done instruments in a long time. It had been like six, six or seven months, and um, at the flight school that we that you and I went to for the CFWI, they only gave you two flights. Two. Yeah, it was really They're quick, so fast. Um, and so I had I wasn't super proficient because you know, it I had taken a pretty big break. Yeah, it'd been so long. Yeah, and so the first flight, understandably, it wasn't the best flight ever. Um, and so my instructor, he was like, okay, just next time this is going to be the standards, blah, 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 blah. So between that flight and my next one, I think, I think I had like a two day gap. I was in the sim like three times a day, every day, trying to get those procedures down. And they were actually coming along really well. And then uh, we had our grounds, right? So I had given him like a three or four hour ground on the PTS items, like, for, you know, for the whole first section of CFII, right? It was, like, instruments and navigation, something like that. And I was studying my butt off, so I knew my I knew my information. I was giving it all to him in detail. And after that four-hour ground, um, I think it was after one of the flights, he was telling me, he said, well, I'm not going to sign you off because you're, there was some verbiage in there at the beginning, that wasn't exactly to the p-hack verbiage yeah which that's bullshit i left that ground crying and i called my dad and i was like what is going on because like i had done grounds with my dad like i was kind of giving him you know my lesson plans and he he's a pilot as well and he was like this is great you know your stuff and i go into this ground completely shot down and i don't know what that instructor's issue was he was just frankly an asshole yeah, that's and like it was just bad instructors. It was just a really terrible instructor, and so I can't imagine doing that to a student because I don't know. It's just it just seems so unreasonable. CFIs can definitely make or break a person joining this as a career field. Yes, I think yes. So yeah, that's. Ugh. I mean, even the 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 boss man at the school that I went to. He was telling me I shouldn't be a pilot if I can't get my CFII in two flights. I also think he hated women. Yeah. So, and he wasn't flying at all either. So, there was that. Which I hope you're miserable. You know who you are. Because we had another friend that had a similar experience with the same guy. And it was literally... He was sexist AF, was he not? He was. Yeah. He was. So, he like targeted a bunch of the women in our school and being like, is he still employed there? I have no idea. I don't really care about him. I really interesting. Okay. I'm I'm almost to the airlines. That's true. I really don't care. That's true. honestly like you know what? I don't hope you're miserable. I hope you're having a wonderful life, and I hope you are just doing great. Karma is my boyfriend. Karma is a god. Karma is a breeze in my hair on the weekend. I'm sorry, I subjected you guys to my singing. Karma is real, and karma will bite you in the butt for that. So, anyways, Taylor. Taylor Dictionary. Yes. Okay. I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> okay. Next story? Yeah. Okay. Moving along. All right. So this last story we have is just kind of, it's a little more fun. It's just a thread um, from r slash flying. 
and the user is u slash jaded champion 8140 and this is from two years ago mind you so the title is horror stories about instructors i see and hear a lot of horror stories told by cfis and cfis about their worst students but not a lot of stories about bad experiences with instructors since part 141 schools usually weed out bad instructors fairly quickly i'm curious to know what others have experienced as a negative in a part 61 training environment um First of all, there are bad part 141 instructors too. I do want to like, point that out. So these people out. Who? Oh. I can tell you I've seen some. And like, they teach 141. Just saying. I know a plethora of bad instructors. Yeah. So 141s. You're not going to get an amazing instructor just because you're at 141 school. So I do want to say that. Just want to put that one out there. But here's a, here's a few horror stories. So one... One user says, first flight after discovery flight. Instructor text. Hey, I'm running 15 minutes late. You go ahead and pre-flight the plane and come get me in the office when you're done. Me. How do I pre-flight a plane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I'll tell my instrument students, hey, you can go pre-flight. But I always check the plane before I leave. Uh-huh. So, Yeah. 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 Maybe maybe don't expect your student to know how to pre-flight a plane on flight one. Maybe not. I'll send out my multis. Like once I once I do the first one with them. Yeah, I'll send out multis. Any any other student who's had a lot of experience pre-flighting? Yeah. Go on out. I have a badge. I tell my instructor. I tell to my my instructor. I tell my students. Okay, I'll watch you pre-flight. It's really cold. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I do not like the cold, so I will not stand out in the cold. No. But I'll always come back through and like check everything and check to make sure it's good. Yeah. Um, I do check behind them. So another guy says, I've generally had amazing instructors, but there is one instructor that to this day confuses the hell out of me. I was already licensed, had taken a break and gotten back into flying and had flown about 30 hours in the previous year. I'm no Chuck Yeager, but was safe all around. I moved into work and went to get checked out in a new school. Instructor berated everything I did as unsafe. My walk around, unsafe. My taxing, unsafe. Maneuvers were unsafe. And for landings, he wanted me to put my head on the window to look down the side to land the airplane. After about six hours, I figured, I've got about 100 hours now and I've flown at four different places and none have ever done any of this stuff. This seems like a scam. So I called bullshit, got another instructor, and was checked out at a point eight. I think he was trying to milk me for instructional money, and I mentioned that to the chief pilot that much when I asked him to assign me to another instructor. I never saw that instructor again, so I wonder if he's a captain <laughs> of his airline screaming at his FOs for not putting their face against the side window to <laughs> land the 737. Can you imagine? I want you, like, can you imagine sitting in the Cessna and you have, like, a student, like, plant their wi- their face? Put your head against the window. I know. So I will t- I will tell my students, hey, and this is not private pilot students, mind you. This is instrument and higher. I'll tell my students, like, hey, if you really want to find out where ground effect is, if this helps you, you can glance out the window rope. Well, I can see how far the plane is from the ground. Easier. Yeah. I don't tell them to stare out the window the entire time while landing the plane. No. I tell them, hey, you can glance to see where the runway is at because you can see the runway in relation to the plane a lot better from the side window than you can the front. Also, what about looking at the end of the runway? Yeah. I mean, I tell them it's a glance. It's not a stare. It's a glance. But what is this guy thinking? Yeah. No. 
I think just having fun with it. No, just be like I think just trolling no. these students. I don't know. I think I think this guy hit it on the head. He was just milking hours. Yeah, and it sounded like he didn't stay very long yeah, after that. So, yeah, again, it's you can tell if your CFI is doing stuff for money or doing stuff because they actually want to teach you. You will know if they're milking you for hours. You will know. A hundred percent. Again, like I said earlier, if they're not giving you clear goals about what you need to fix to do XYZ, they're milking you for hours, buddy. Yeah. To be fair, we all are here to get hours, but do a decent job while you're at it. Yeah. It's just going to make the 1500 like the goal of 1500 or 1000 whatever, much easier if you just, just do your job. Yeah, correctly. If you have a good attitude about it, you'll like it a lot more and you won't be miserable for two years. So I always like to say, like, if you are if you are want to be a miserable person, then you're gonna be a miserable person. And you're gonna make everything miserable for yourself. If you look for the bad, you're gonna find the bad. Yes. Yeah, same way if you look for the good, you're gonna find the good. The fifteen hundred hour mark, it's tiring. It's exhausting. It is. Is the last hundred is is really that necessary? No. I don't think but the last 500 is necessary personally, but that's an entire podcast episode I could probably make on that. Yeah, it's not. I like, think after 1,000, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. For the CFI. But, uh, yeah. If you're miserable and if you want to stay miserable, that's fine. But don't take it out on your students. So one thing I do love about aviation is, for the most part, if you're miserable, the rest of the community will not stand for that. And if you're a bad CFI, you probably won't last long either. Yeah, no. So. It's funny, though. My dad was, he was talking to me about being an airline pilot. And he was like, well, you got to get your bitch voice ready because every one of the airline pilots like to bitch about their job, even though they have an amazing job. Yeah, I. How miserable would that be? I say, I tell people pilots are chronic complainers. And it's true. Like, pilots complain a lot for, for what reason? We get paid to do almost nothing and you get paid like a stupid amount of money like we press a few buttons we land a plane come on the yep. plane flies itself now after after you become a cfi and you're at the airlines like literally if you send a reserve like i follow this one girl on tiktok who's an airline pilot and she was talking that she she said that she was on reserve for 22 days this month and she worked like seven of them no no, no sorry i take that back she she wound up having 22 days off she worked yeah. the other eight Okay. During the month. And it, yeah, she was on reserve. Or she is on reserve. And she was saying, yeah, so I only worked eight days, so I really only worked 35 hours, but you still get paid for 75. So Bro, are you kidding me? That's such a life hack. It's such a life Look, hack. You, you suffer for like maybe three, four years trying to get all your ratings. You pay an exorbitant amount of money. You grind out your hours for a couple of years, and then you're set. Pressing a few buttons... You get a fly for free. You get all these travel privileges for cheap or for free. There's literally no room for complaining like that. Benefits are amazing. Like, we, pilots have some of the, pilots do have the coolest job, I would say. It's like one of the coolest jobs. Yes. And, there and a there lot, are very few jobs that I say, huh, that's kind of cooler than me. Very few. Yeah. And a lot of people would love to be a pilot, but like, if they can't for like some kind of medical reason, like, yeah. or whatever reason, they would love to be in the shoes that you were in. So, yeah, be grateful for yeah, be grateful because it's an it's an awesome job and everybody has to humble themselves because I can catch myself complaining sometimes. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I teach people how to fly a plane. That's kind of cool. That's so, like, all right, 
this last this last uh story i found from this thread is or this last comment on it says my second flight ever my primary instructor had something come up last minute and had to put me with another instructor he had me doing pattern work and was frustrated with me that i didn't know what i was doing until my he had me doing pattern work and was frustrated with me that I didn't know what I was doing with my grand total of one hour spent in the plane <laughs> so far. Dude was a jerk and no one seemed to really like him at the school. He didn't last long there. I have a question. Why is this guy doing pattern work if he has a one hour flight time? Uh, because the CFI sucks. I think I've said this in another le- in another, another lesson. I'm not in a lesson right now. Another <laughs> one of the, po- the episodes. First... Two to three flights should be fundamentals. Do not get into the pattern with your one-hour prep and pilot student. No, you need to learn how to fly the plane. I don't think you should be in the pattern till. What is it in the 141 syllabus? I have no idea. It's a good, like, eight hours, I think, at least. That sounds about right. Yeah, something like that. We had... had Not more. We had an old instructor at... You, you never you never met him, but he was literally doing power off, power on stalls on his students' first flight, like oh. one flight after the intro flight. That's a decision. The very first flight, and the guy, the poor guy, he was um, this guy had gotten quite a bit of flights out of him, but he was doing a flight with another instructor, and the instructor they were about to do some pattern work, and the bro the the poor student couldn't even maintain heading. Couldn't maintain altitude because he didn't know how. Oh. Because the instructor, like, he had previously had never even taught him how to fly straight and level. Yeah. What instructor is that? A bad one. <laughs> That's so bad. I'm like, and the guy's, the instructor's reasoning for this was, well, if we get into it. So the instructor's reasoning for this was because he was like, well, what if I become uh, medically incapacitated in the plane and he has to fly the plane? Number one, if you did your, <laughs> if you did your I am safe checklist... You shouldn't become medically incapacitated in the plane. Number two, if your student, if, if in the worst case scenario that were to happen, your student would not know how to fly straight and level and would not know how to descend if all you've taught him is stalls. Bro, yeah, like, how is that beneficial? Because, like, you know, if, if you've taught, okay, let's say that did happen, okay, and all the student knew, like, they didn't know how to do stalls, they didn't know how to do slow flight, that kind of stuff, but they know how to fly straight and level they know, they know how to descend they know how to do the basic fundamentals of flying they could talk to hcc and acc could 100 percent get them down or if they got on frequency with another instructor yeah in that worst case scenario. at minimum they i feel like it'd be more important for them to know how to fly straight level instead of um stalls at that point in time yeah. because that might be a little more beneficial for keeping control of the aircraft yes which was it's, it was ridiculous to me because i was like i it, in my mind, when I'm when I'm flying with a brand new student, if it, you know, the first two to three flights is all fundamental stuff. Oh yeah, it takes a while for that to click. Same with instrument. Yeah, it's like the first stage of the 141 syllabus we use for instrument. It gets boring for you, but at the same time, it's it's what is most beneficial for your students' training. Yeah. Just think about that. If and if you're a new instructor and if you're going into if you just want to immediately jump into pattern and jump into the fun stuff until the maneuvers and all that kind of thing, take a second. Think about what would be beneficial for them safety wise and for like their long term learning. It's probably not learning how to land on the second flight. Probably not. The pattern's so overwhelming and anyway. it's so much stuff. Well, it depends where you're at, but you know. 
But still, it's a lot. If it's if it's your first flight, it's overwhelming, no matter where you are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm really, really I'm kind of sleepy today. I am a little sleepy too. I was just thinking that. I feel a little bad because this whole episode you've been doing most of the. I got I oh, I have a lot to say about bad CFIs. A you lot. Do. You do. Don't, don't be rude to students. CFIs. Don't be an a-hole. CFIs. Don't be an a-hole to other CFIs, especially. I'm sorry. I'm at 1,250 hours. I'm a seasoned instructor. I know what I'm doing. Do not look at me and ask why I'm not flying. I will I will cut you. I will cut you, okay? I believe that. So, don't do that. I, I have no patience for that. Yeah. So, rude. Just rude. Don't, don't think you're better. Like, I don't think I'm better than anybody, okay? Yeah. No, I know I have more experience and I'm a good instructor, but I don't walk in to a section of the school that's not my section and be like, why aren't you guys flying? So stupid. Um, like, comment, share, subscribe. Subscribe. Follow. So <laughs> I hope everybody that listened to our episode last week and is a student and was like waiting for this episode, I hope you enjoyed this episode. So we yes. did we did trash on the CFIs too. I promised we would. And if you guys have any experiences with bad CFIs, have Ooh. any juicy stories to give, send them to us. DM the Instagram. DM Two Girls One Plane podcast. Dude, I would love to hear some bad instructor stories. Same. And if you're trying to send in a story and you're like, Ariel is a bad instructor, we'll fight. We'll fight. Okay, I'm in a fighting mood right now. You are. <laughs> Spicy okay. redhead. Okay. Anyways. All right. All right. I'm Ariel. I'm Amanda. This is two girls. One plane. See you next Wednesday. Bye.